0: Well, here we go, folks. We are in round eight, round eight of ten rounds of the Ten Commandments. Um, And as you just heard there, we're going to be looking uh, today at the commandment, you shall not steal. We're kind of... I want to start with... uh, I want to take you back to when I was a music student studying uh, at college in England. And... uh, I lived lived in a house that I shared with um, five other guys, and as you can imagine, it was a, a model of cleanliness with six guys living there. It was a homemaker's dream, but also, as you can imagine, it was it was in a kind of a rougher part a rougher part of town because, of course, that's where the cheaper rentals are. So here we are, six of us living in this in this house in in the city of Leeds in England. And I remember one night getting a knock on the door from one of my roommates. And it must have been sort of, I don't know, four or five in the morning. He said, Dan, Dan, wake up. Of course, I'm sort of out of it, half asleep. He says, Dan, wake up. We've been burgled. I said, what, what? He said, we've been robbed. The police are here. You need to come downstairs. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So I head downstairs, and sure enough, there are the police. And sure enough, there is evidence that we have indeed been burgled. There's a a, a sort of a broken-in door. Uh, The the TV was missing. There was various things that had been taken. But perhaps the most devastating part of the burglary was that they had taken, wait for it, my prized Bruce Lee movie collection. Complete movie collection, I might add. I mean, Fist of Fury, gone. (laughs) Enter the Dragon, Game of Death, Gone. Way of the Dragon, in which Bruce Lee has his epic fight with Chuck Norris, where he tears a fistful of chest hair. Gone. Whole collection gone. even the police were feeling for me. The police said, Oh man, that, that has got to hurt. You know, even they understood the loss I was going through, the bereavement. But all joking aside, the funny thing was, I mean, it wasn't really the the loss of the the video collection that was was the worst part. The worst part was this this kind of unsettled feeling in a weird way, almost a feeling of of violation. The thought that that somebody had come into where I lived while I was sleeping, had broken in and then had taken various things was was a very uh, unnerving feeling. And um, I think part of that is because, again, we all instinctually know there's something wrong about stealing, about taking something that doesn't belong to you, that taking something from somebody else. We kind of know inside that this is wrong, don't we? And, you know, we're, we're kind of in a segment of the commandments right now that I've called the, well, duh, commandments, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about you shall not murder. Yep, that seems like a pretty obvious one, yep. Last week, we talked about you shall not commit adultery. Also seems like a pretty good rule for life if you want things to go well. And so this week, we're talking about you shall not steal. But by now, hopefully, what you're starting to realize is that um, there's more than meets the eye with these commandments. There's more going on, isn't there? You know, these commandments, they're like transformers, more than meets the eye, right? And um, as we look a bit deeper, we're going to see that there's definitely more to this commandment than just the basic, well, don't take other people's stuff. And as always, we have to ask some questions, don't we? We have to ask, well, why is it wrong to steal? Why does it, what does it mean to own or possess something? And who gets to decide what we get to have and not have? These are some of the questions we're going to be looking at this morning. So we just read from Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, and there are many examples of stealing in the Old Testament. I mean, really, when you think about it, stealing is it's as old as human nature, right? Uh, we basically, we've been stealing from each other, really from the beginning of time almost. And God makes it clear that we are not to steal from each other. Obviously, we've heard it here in the Ten Commandments. But there are plenty of other uh, scriptures that we can find in the Old and the New Testament that tell us we're not to steal. So um, here's one from Leviticus chapter 6. And it says, if anyone sins and is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving a neighbor about something entrusted to them or left in their care or about something stolen or if they cheat their neighbor or if they find lost property and lie about it or if they swear falsely about any such sin that people may commit... When they sin in any of these ways and realize their guilt, they must return what they have stolen or taken by extortion. So that's one example. It's very clear that when we steal, we're supposed to make restitution for it. How about Psalm 62 verse 10? It says, Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And one more. How about Proverbs 20? It says, food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouthful of gravel. Some wisdom there, isn't there? And that Proverbs, it reminds us though that there, there is something ultimately deeply unsatisfying about something we know we did not acquire through honest means. Right, We may have gained whatever it is we wanted, but if we haven't got it honestly, we know we've got it through deceptive means or through stealing, it ultimately will give you no satisfaction at all. You know, the recent college admission scandal, right? You're familiar with that, what's going on right now? That's a great case in point, isn't it? Right? Here we have children or uh, students having places bought for them by their parents. And it's ultimately... We all instinctually know there's something wrong about that, don't we? Because why? They are stealing those places from other students who could have earned them through honest um, achievement and, and skills. So part of this inside goes, that's not right. They're buying a place at this you know, Ivy League college. There's something wrong about that. Or what about, do you remember a few years ago um, in the pharmaceutical industry and there's this fellow, Martin uh, Sh- uh, Shkreli, who hiked the price of a drug called Darapim 5,000%. So it went from $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill. And there was a national outrage about it. Because we know there's something deeply wrong. That is robbing and exploiting the sick and the weak and the ill in society, isn't it? For financial gain. So we know deep down there is, there's something wrong about um, stealing. And the thing is, when we see those big scandals, right, like the college admission or the, the drug hiking, right, we, we sort of love to see the fallout, don't we? We love to sit back in our armchairs and be like, ha see, yeah, good, glad he's going to prison. He deserved it. <laughs> but it's, it's easy to point the fingers, isn't it, and to feel high and mighty about ourselves. But how about we turn that mirror and face ourselves, right? And ask a question, am I a thief? Do I steal? You know, most of us, I would imagine in the room, do not consider ourselves thieves. You know, if someone was to ask you, are you a thief? Do you steal? I'm sure most of us would be like, no. No, I'm a pretty honest kind of person. After all, it's not like, Any of us, or perhaps some of you are, if if you are, come and talk to me afterwards. But I don't think any of us are rubbing houses or stealing cars. But what are some other ways we can steal? I mean, we can talk about big things, right? So, for example, corporations. We see stealing sort of in society, don't we, overall, in in our way of life. You know, one place we might see that is saying corporations and businesses that rob customers all the time with marked up goods, hidden fees, hidden charges you didn't know about. You know what they're calling now the, the, the Great Recession, right, that started in two thousand eight. That was ultimately a lot of it was caused by the greed of mortgage loan lenders and appraisers overvaluing homes. But you know what, it wasn't just the lenders. Borrowers were partly to blame as too, because they were lying about their income and their assets. One economist observed that as many as 70% of mortgages that defaulted in their first year turned out to have false information on their loan applications. I think another one is we, we all have this mild suspicion, don't we, that somehow the government is stealing from us, right? You know, I mean, how many times are you like, oh, yeah, that's typical, yeah, typical government, you yeah, know, taking this out of my paycheck and this and this and this, yeah. But you know, how many ways do we steal from the government? Just in little things, right? A lot of the time, if we look at ourselves, stealing might not seem so obvious. Or it might kind of seem harmless. I mean, let's think about this for a moment. You ever taken anything from a restaurant? That salt and pepper pot looks kind of nice. they got a whole bunch of them. They're not going to miss one. Come on. It's a chain. A favorite of mine when I was a, uh, a music student was stealing beer glasses from pubs. Well, this is a pretty cool one. It's got a nice logo. And besides, we're running low on glasses in our, uh, in our house. Or maybe it's some office supplies at work. Yeah? A few pens here, a few staples, a pack of staples there, a little bit of print paper. Who's going to know? Come on. I'm probably paying for this somehow anyway, right? They're not paying me enough, so you know what? I'm just going to take some of this. How about all the time we steal from our employers at work? Roaming the internet or texting friends or maybe you're playing a little video game on your phone. Well, what about employers that rob their workers by demanding or expecting people to work more hours than they're actually paid for? Perhaps some of you feel a little underappreciated right now that you work more hours than your job description tells you. Perhaps you're in a business that routinely quotes someone a little bit on the high side for a job. I found this was very common in the construction business. I, uh, I worked as a laborer for about four or five years on a, on a building site, um, and... <laughs> There were so many times when the guys would be like, yo, 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 slow down, slow down. We're going to make this job last another week. When they could have finished it that week. Have you ever borrowed something? Have you ever borrowed any money or a book from somebody and never returned it? There are many, many little ways that we steal. And if we're honest... In some way or another, we're all on the take somehow. But you know what? As wrong as it is, and it is wrong to steal from other people, the real issue, I think, goes a little bit deeper. And it's this. When we steal anything, we're ultimately stealing from God. How so, I hear you ask. Well... This commandment, you shall not steal, actually implies ownership. Yeah? It implies ownership. Otherwise, you can't steal something if somebody doesn't own it, per se. Okay? But this commandment implies ownership. That we own things. And that actually it's okay and it's biblical to own things. But actually a more biblical way to look at ownership is to call it stewardship. Okay? stewardship and there is a difference because ultimately we have to look at it like this the only reason any of us owns anything is because God has allowed us to be stewards of it that's really what it comes down to in a sense to 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 think anything really belongs to you that you really own anything is actually an illusion there is no spoon why? Why is it an illusion? Because everything belongs to God. Yeah? Now you might be sitting here thinking, well, I, I've worked hard all my life to own this and that. What do you mean? I don't really own anything. Listen to what First Chronicles chapter 29 says. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of something, I'm sorry, of all things. Psalm 50, the Lord says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So, if we do a little adjustment here in our way of thinking, everything belongs to God. Everything you own really belongs to God. And guess what? It can all be taken away in a heartbeat, can't it? I mean, does our health. We know our health can be taken away like that. And all we have to do really to understand this truth is to, is to look at, you know, whenever we see a natural disaster on, t- on, on the TV or the reporting, right, a tsunami, or well, the most recent example would be uh, the tornado in Alabama, yeah. right? And you see these devastating pictures of somebody stood on a mound of rubble that there was, was their home, and they, they're beside themselves because they're saying, everything I have is gone. And, of course, 23 people lost their lives in that. So they lost more than their possessions. They lost their lives. It can all be taken away in a heartbeat. But, you know, if you're not coming from a truly biblical or Christian perspective on ownership and stewardship, um, most people then have a, a rather flawed understanding of ownership and stewardship. And I think you can basically broadly put people in two categories. Okay, the first category is uh, people who don't believe in God. So uh, secular folks, atheists, whatever you want to call them. But people who don't believe God exists. And therefore what happens is they see life as just a product of random chance. You're all cosmic accidents. We're here by just the look of the draw. So if that's the case, then rules regarding stealing are just some sort of code to live by to get along but if you think about it with that mindset these codes and rules are not fixed they can't be because without an ultimate divine lawgiver you can't really have absolute truth so if you can't have absolute truth then we all live by our own truth you know it's very popular these days you hear people talk about my truth Right? instant eye roll from me by the way when I hear that well, this is my truth. Now, there's, there's one kind of truth, the truth. And it comes from the Lord Almighty. Because we can't all live by our own truth. Because guess what? Everybody's truths don't agree and align. What if my truth is, you know what? I'm going to take whatever I want. There's really, there's, there's nothing to stop me robbing you if it benefits me according to my truth. Right? I'm bigger and stronger than you. So you know what? What you have is going to benefit me. So I'm going to take this. Because guess what? It's just natural selection, folks. Survival of the fittest, right? It doesn't make sense to have a law about not stealing. If you don't have a divine lawgiver. So that's one category. But then there's another category. right? There's a lot of people out there who say they do believe in God. Some kind of divine force, some sort of cosmic creator. But they believe that whatever this God or force is, is not really involved in our everyday affairs. They're not personal, and so therefore they don't really care about your wallets or your purses. But guess what? Our God is personal. Our God does care About the details in your life. Our God cares about every little tiny thing you do. And that should be, at one (laughs) one sense, very comforting. Because we know he cares. And also very convicting. Because we know he knows everything. He is personal. And so when he sees us stealing... He also sees that we're stealing from him. Well, what are some ways that we steal from God? Well, here's some ways you may or may not have thought about. But, you know, we rob God when we decide to take things into our own hands. How do we do that? Well, because by doing that, we deny his care and love towards us. When we take th- when we declare basically what we're saying is that what he has given us is not enough i'm going to take this into my own hands we're robbing god of caring and providing for us and when we steal we also we're actually ironically showing a lack of faith right by not trusting that god is going to provide for us you know i I don't trust you're going to see me through this so i'm just going to i'm just going to take a little here a little there just in case okay Here's another way. When we don't use the gifts and talents that God has given us for his glory, we are stealing those God-given gifts and abilities and using them for selfish purposes. Do you realize each and every one of you sitting here has a gift or multiple gifts that are God-given, that are are, are to be used to glorify him and his church? He didn't give them to us so that we could glorify ourselves. He gave them so that they could be used for him and his purposes. Another way, it's a little bit closer to home maybe, we rob God, is when we don't give and contribute to his church. Okay, church is not about just a Sunday morning message and then the other six days of the week you go off and do your thing. Church is supposed to be more than that. It's a community of people, a community of believers, church can change the world. And there are many, many ways we can give to the church, right? We automatically think financial, okay? But there are so many other ways, and so many of you do. You give of your time, your ability, your talents. But listen to what the Lord says in uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. This is the Lord speaking. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, God replies. We have to think about that. What is church really about? Is it all about take, take, take? Or do we give back to the church as much as we receive and more? But you know what? Perhaps the greatest way that we rob God is actually with our time. Our time time we've talked about this before is one of probably the most precious commodity we have in life because time cannot be replaced and we're all on a timer aren't we right from the day you're born you're on a timer and none of us quite know how much time we have left before we meet the lord but when we rob god of our time when we don't spend time with him when we don't make him a priority. We're robbing God of the worship that is due him. You see that? We rob him of the worship that is due to him. And what that really is, folks, guess what that is? That's really idolatry. And what you'll find is that most of these commandments, in one way or another, are actually tied back to the second commandment, right? Which is, you shall have no other gods before me. But when we prioritize something before God, we've made it an idol. So when we prioritize our time and devote it to other things rather than to God, or rather we, we put God second or third or fourth in our time schedule, we've made an idol of it. And we steal because we've made possessions and stuff an idol. That's where stealing comes in. It's really tied to our attachment to possessions and stuff, as George Carlin likes to call it. He does a a really funny sketch on stuff. He says, well, basically your house is a place to put your stuff. And when you get more stuff, you need a bigger house. And then what you do? You get more stuff. And the reason you don't feel comfortable in somebody else's house is because there's none of your stuff there. It's full of their stuff. But imagine this, imagine you had uh, an alien uh, species observing us as human beings. And they were collecting notes about what we are as human beings, what makes us tick. And I think as they were observing our civilization, certainly here in the West anyway, they would conclude that possessions and acquiring stuff, aka materialism, were the center and purpose of our existence. I think that's the collusion they come to as they observed our society. Because think about it. How much of our lives are focused on earning money and then spending it? I mean, really, we we just like to earn money, so we have something to spend, don't we? But much of our life and our modern existence is geared towards having stuff, possessions. Have you ever noticed Next time you're walking around a shopping mall, take a look at the design, at the architecture of it. It's very, very interesting because shopping malls, whether you realize it or not, have been designed to look like modern-day cathedrals. Okay? they got lots of light. They have the pointed roofs pointing to heaven, often uh, open windows and glass looking to the heavens. They have rows of shops on either side, kind of like aisles and and pews in churches. And it's very intentional. They've become modern places of worship. Because we go there to get stuff. You know, it's ironic because we live in an age, we live in a time right now, us, where we own more than any other people at any other time in the history of the world. And we still want more. We still want more. We steal from God the worship that is due him through our idolatry. So as you can see, we're all really thieves at heart. But you guys are loving me by now, aren't you? huh? A couple of weeks ago, I said, you're basically all murderers because we have anger in our hearts. Last week, I said, you we're basically all adulterers because who hasn't had a lustful thought? And this week, I'm calling you thieves. Got to love me, huh? But you know what? I understand. It, <laughs> the party might be feeling a little bit hopeless right? now, I'm like, boy, okay. I guess I'm not the great person I thought I was. But guess what? Who enters the scene? Jesus. Enter Jesus. Are you thankful for Jesus? I'm thankful for Jesus. You might just be realizing that you're a thief at heart, and there we're all thieves. But here's a word of encouragement for you Guess who hung on either side of Jesus on the cross? Two thieves. Who did Jesus spend his last dying moments with? Thieves. Thieves. You remember the story? Let me refresh you. It's found in Luke chapter 23. This is starting at verse 39. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. It's a powerful story. You know why it's so powerful, folks? Because that is the gospel. That is the gospel right there. Think about it for a second. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's dying. His his literally his life is pouring out of him. And Jesus, he went to the cross for us completely innocent. Listen to what the good thief said. He said, We are punished justly for we're getting what we are deserve." But this man has done nothing wrong. He acknowledged that thief, I'll call him the good thief. He acknowledged that Jesus was innocent, that he didn't deserve to be and shouldn't be on that cross. The thief also admitted and realized that he was actually getting what he deserved. His punishment, the thief's punishment, was just. And then finally, the thief acknowledges who Jesus is. Because he says, when you come into your kingdom, welcome me. He was acknowledging. He knew that Jesus, hanging on the cross, was the king, the Messiah. And he said, remember me. When you enter your kingdom. And in that moment, his sins were forgiven. He could have, obviously, he's up there being executed. So this thief had not led a good life, had not been a good person, had obviously stolen, and probably many times. And yet, in that moment, when he recognized and acknowledged who Jesus was, he was forgiven. And that goes for each and every one of us in this room today. You might be thinking, oh, there there are things I have done that are unforgivable. Nope, not according to Jesus, they're not. All you have to do is declare and believe who he is. So, as we conclude here, how can we we apply what we've learned today how you know what does this mean for us and our lives well the first one is if you haven't yet made a decision then choose Jesus welcome him into your life be the good thief who recognizes and acknowledges who Jesus truly is secondly practice and make generosity a habit in your life Practice and make generosity a habit in your life. Give often and give generously. Give of your time, give of your love, give of your your finances, give whatever you're able to give, but do it and do it often. I love what Ken Hughes said. Ken Hughes said, every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. Every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. It's It's the way I like to put it, it's an act of rebellion against stinginess. And that is one of the most freeing things in life. Rebel against stinginess. And the way to do that is give. Even when you don't feel like giving, give. And number three, so important. Develop a mindset that acknowledges everything we have and everything in the world belongs to God. All things we have are because of his love and grace. Your job belongs to God. Your car belongs to God. Your health belongs to God. You name it. It all belongs to God. And here's the wonderful thing. When you you flip that switch and realize, you know what? It's all his. First of all, your generosity meter will fly through the roof because all of a sudden, there's not going to be this, my precious kind of mentality. I need to keep this. All of a sudden, you're like, you know what? It's God's anyway. I'm going to give it away. What the heck? When you flip that switch and realize that, guess what happens? It leads to a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving. You're like, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for everything I have, Lord. I know it's only because of your provision that I have these things. Lord, do with them as you would. It leads to praise and thanksgiving. And guess what? When our life is full of praise and thanksgiving... The outcome is joy. The outcome is a joy-centered and joy-filled life. And it's a joy that is not dependent on your circumstances or on what you own. It's all dependent on Him. And that's really all we need to know. Let's pray. Father, we... We declare today, Lord, that everything in this world belongs to you, Lord. Everything that we think we own is ultimately because of your provision. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to to see that, to really internalize that, Lord, for that, that switch to go off in our heads that says, Lord, it's, it's all yours and it's all because of you. I pray, Lord, you would instill with us a, a new heart of generosity, a new heart of love towards our neighbors. And help us to to meditate and think on these things this week, Lord, as we we go about our daily lives. What are ways we can be generous towards one another? What are ways we can give thanks to you, Lord, for all that we have? And I pray, Lord, that through that we would find that joy-centered, that joy-filled life, which can only ultimately come from you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.